are listening to On the Shoulders of Dwarves, a weekly podcast about role-playing games and role-playing gamers. On the Shoulders of Dwarves. Hello and welcome to another episode of On the Shoulders of Dwarves. My name is Uri Lifshitz. And I am Eran Aviram. And today we have a very, very special guest, which is... Hi, I'm Aviv O. Excellent. And technically, today, Iran is also a guest. For today, I have removed Iran from any position of power <laughs> here in, on the shoulders of Dwarf and have banished him to the glorious position of a guest. For today, we here at On the Shoulders of Dwarves are proud to do an interview with the dynamic duo, which are up to four players, Iran Aviram and Aviv Or. A short disclaimer before we start, Iran, as you probably know, is the host of this podcast, and Iran, Aviv, and I have been friends for many short adventures and one epic campaign. So pretty much everything you're going to hear here is in favor of these two amazing people. Now, Iran and Aviv, you two have been creating the webcomic the awesome webcomic of up to four players for a long while now. It's two, three years. More like three, three-something years. Wow, how time flies. I know. And Erai, I understand that you also have been participating in an online podcast identical to this one. Actually, this one <laughs> with an amazingly handsome host, which is myself. But I want to ask you, both of you, to please present yourself to our listeners as if they know nothing about you. Why don't you start and we'll get started talking about your latest creation, the Crystal Heart campaign setting, immediately after that. Hello, hello, listeners. Hello, my name is Iran. The one thing most people don't know about me is that I was a tank commander in the army for two and a half years. I know how to drive a tank, how to shoot with a tank, how to command a tank. I also know how to fix the communication in a tank. So does that. Another thing most people don't know about me is that I used to have a gaming store for two and a half years in Tel Aviv, in the middle of Israel. And that's the sort of thing that when you look at me, you say, really? Uh, <laughs> yes, the, the, first, the first thing wasn't my choice. That's the idea for you. They, they choose for you. And the second was, as with many other things in my life, most things that are worth mentioning, uh, with a buddy. I didn't start the store myself. It wasn't my idea. I was just there, which is basically what happened with a lot of my cooperations throughout the years, <laughs> including with Aviv and with Uri. Again, two excellent cooperations uh, hmm. that have been serving me well until today. So if I'm paraphrasing this in a way that I and probably most of our listeners can understand, you're saying very early in life you have chosen many teamwork feats and you're sort of always taking people with other teamwork feats to get the most advantages out of life. <laughs> that was very Pathfinder-centric, but yes, it is also true. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I play Pathfinder at the moment, so that's how I see the world. Sure, sure. That's, that's how it works. I play Savage World, so everything is target number four for me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Aviv, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? So, hello, everyone. I'm Aviv. I am an illustrator. Yeah, that's all you need to know. No, but I, I, I do I do art of um, all kinds, mainly for the tabletop industry, board games, role-playing games, stuff like that. 
You may have seen my stuff around the internet, for example, uh, on the website of uh, The Shoulders of Dwarfs, because I designed, I drew that dwarf guy. Um, Technically, the two dwarf guys. The two. It's, it's a guy with, with, with a dwarf on top of him. That's true. There's, it could be the same dwarf. We don't see the bottom part, I think, <laughs> of the, the lower dwarf. He could just be thinking in portals, but yes. <laughs> so that's my work. Um, and since we're doing things you most people don't know about me, I also dance the Charleston. Excellent. And now that you're intimately familiar with these two exclusive persons, what can you please tell us about the reason we're all here? Or to put it more simply, what is Crystal Heart? And how is it different from anything we've known before? Well, I think we've described what it is in many places, in lots of podcasts. I'm happy to say that for the campaign, uh, the Kickstarter campaign, we managed to get uh, to, to sleaze away into many podcasts and we described it in many places. And on this podcast as well, I've been talking about Crystal Heart mm-hmm. a lot. I assume many of the people who are listening to us also know of up2forplayers.com and probably have read some of it. So I think it's more interesting to focus on the second part. Um, How is it different from anything we've known before? Because there's no good reason to create something that was created before. Correct me if I'm wrong. So I think, Uri, you you think the same. Aviv, I'm pretty sure you think the same. I think all the three of us are very much into let's do something new. Uh, mostly mm-hmm. because if someone already did it, then we can just go and read that or or consume that content or whatever, and there's no need for us to walk. I mean, it's not that we're super lazy, but we're kind of... Okay, I'll talk about myself. <laughs> I am kind of lazy, and I would prefer to only create things that haven't been created before. So it is a campaign for a role-playing game, and that's a thing that was created before, but <laughs> it's a worthy campaign, I think, because it provides an experience, a playing experience that I don't think you can actually get anywhere else. You can maybe get parts of it, like there's a big, a big part of it is um, action, action adventure, which is not necessarily combat, but running around, jumping around, doing awesome things, using your special powers to influence the environment, not necessarily to... Um, get more hit points dealt to an enemy in a clever way, but to overcome this avalanche, stuff like that. And there's a part that's all about um, running around the world and getting cool, unique powers, which is basically Pokemon or Materia from Final Fantasy VII, uh, because that's the inspiration for Crystal Hearts. But it's not exactly the same because each of them also creates an adventure around itself. So when you go after a crystal, you will encounter an adventure that already has the themes of the crystal in it. It already has the powers of the crystal Mm. manifested in some way. You'll be fighting them and then get the crystal and use the crystal uh, for the next adventure or whatever. And finally, there's the whole aspect of you and the organization, Sin, you, you are an agent of Sin. You work for Sin. There's this relationship between you and the organization. Uh, you owe them stuff. They owe you stuff as a source for cool narrative things you can do. Like maybe they, they need your, your crystal. They, someone else needs the crystal that you currently have. So you are forced to replace it with a different one. And that, that's a cool thing that can only happen if you're not an adventurer running around the world, but you work for someone and you have to do what they tell you. Um, so these are all sort of, of 
I think different, very different things. I don't know a, a world that combines all of them, uh, except for us. We, we did it. I think also the idea of um, a very central part of your character can actually change at any given time. Um, in Crystal Heart, you can actually remove your heart, which gives you powers. It gives you uh, some personality traits. And you just replace it with a different one. And immediately, a lot about your character can change. Um, it can affect how you how you actually role play that character, it, it, their personality, their um, thought patterns, stuff like that. And it affects the magical things you can do. So you can still use your gun and your sword pretty much the same way as before. But if with your previous heart, you could, uh, you know, you could have thrown pink bubbles at people. Hmm. Now you become a wolf. Uh, when it's activated. And that's quite a different character now. And uh, I don't know that I've seen that a lot in other games. I mean, there are obviously indie games somewhere out there in the ether that maybe offer some sort of unique, strange experiences that have something to do with what we are doing here. But um, but that's always the case. You will always maybe find something that's super unusual that someone else already did. Uh, we don't know anyone that did it for Savage Worlds, which is hopefully a bit more mainstream. It's not mainstream, but more mainstreamy than an indie game that uh, 200 people know of. Maybe in a way sort of exalted if you play a long time, a long term campaign in where you're exalted pass between different people. Uh, then you could have something. Uh, Maybe. Yeah. Something along those lines, something like like an eye zombie vibe to it. If you're Maybe. familiar with the TV show, hmm. by the way, yeah, e- yeah. Exalted has um, uh, menses, and in the mens you get these um, orbs. I, I forgot how they call them. Heartstones. Heartstone. Heartstones. I I, I, I think, think so. There's something about a hearth. It's yeah. probably a hearthstone because of the, of the game, of course, hearthstone. I, I I didn't. Yeah, but I think it is a hearthstone, and uh, that's again an inspiration for crystals. Now, as a podcast that deals a lot with game mechanic and gameplay, I have to ask, why Savage World? I mean, there's nothing wrong with Savage World. It's tremendous amount of fast, furious fun, but there are so many gaming systems out there. Not to mention the temptation which i'm sure you had of creating something unique for this setting oh no so, not at all no not no, at no. all <laughs> uri you know I, we, we've been talking about it a lot we, we know how hard it is to create something completely new no it's it's much easier to take something that already exists and actually i think it's very easy to create something new <laughs> it's very hard to create something new which is good yeah yes 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 but I think another reason we went with something that already exists is that um, we started it in the webcomic and we wanted people to read it, understand it, and enjoy it. And hopefully, you know, tell their friends who also play Savage Worlds, hey, look at this really cool webcomic that features the system that we play and we know. Um, or otherwise, um, hey, do you want to learn Savage Worlds? You can read this webcomic and learn this actual game that exists. I think that's... That's really powerful. Yes, and some would say you can read these two pages of comic book and immediately know how to play Savage World. Indeed. That came a little bit later, but yes. So, yeah, we had to go with Savage Worlds because we already committed when we decided that this will be the web 
comic. So now it's also the game. That being said, we have been approached by an eager fan that wanted to make a conversion for D&D 5 and good for, for him, but I don't think that's, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I'm not going to help that go, go along anyway, because I think that's a lot of work and I don't think you get a lot out of it. Uh, I don't think D&D 5 is different enough from Savage Worlds to offer a unique experience. Just play Savage Worlds. Maybe a conversion for fate can be something we should discuss. But again, I'm, it's not something that I'm going to invest some time or money into. It's way more likely that when we finish this whole product line, not that, are, not that there are so many other products coming along, maybe some more PDFs later on with adventures and... There's a big one that we plan for when the webcomic is uh, nearing its ending. But then it, the most likely thing that will happen is that Aviv and I will switch to something else, a new world, a new webcomic, something else. And since it's probably going to be about the role-playing game again, might not. We'll see. But if it is going to be about a role-playing game, again, we will choose something that fits and we'll go with that. So the... so. <sighs> I love rules. I have my own rules, uh, like all GMs. I have my own rule set that I'm working on and will one day be a thing. But there's so little to connect that with the story, with what we want to do with Crystal Heart. And what we wanted to do works very well with Savage Worlds. So that's basically it. Can you give a little bit in-depth examples of how the system supports that we, that feeling, that um, inspiration that you wanted to convey to your players? As a podcast that really deals with the internal working of mechanics, it's really interesting for me to hear, okay, we're using Savage World because it helped us do A, B, and C because of this and this and this mechanic. Sure. The main thing probably is how easy it is to resolve. When you want to do something, you roll the die and it resolves. And what I really like is that there's very little difference between how combat works and how everything else works. It's not that there's no combat. There is a combat part to the game. You draw cards and then there's combat. So there's a combat mini game like you have in D&D 5. But it's way less different from the main game. You still do the base, basically the same things. All of them are just rolling a die and trying to get to F4. Savage Worlds supports the concept of running around and doing a lot of cool stuff uh, and suffer all sorts of uh, maladies and hindrances and problems. Like climbing is can, can be a big deal. Uh, if you fall, you can roll. It's not a saving throw, but sort of like a saving throw. And if you fail, then maybe you get injured and then maybe you get fatigued. It's not about resources. It's not about keeping your hit points high or not using your hit dice or saving your spells. Um, even more so when in Crystal Heart where we don't have PowerPoints, we use uh, crystals. So we even got rid of PowerPoints, which, which is a staple of, of the system. Because it's not about being able to use the correct amount of stuff or to deal the correct amount of stuff. Uh, it's about th this action that you are now doing. You'll roll for it now, and if it works, awesome, great. And if not, then it, it doesn't work. You don't have to think forwards. Um, oh, I, I might lose 
20 hit points. No, I uh, try it. Just jump or something. There's a chance you'll get uh-uh. hurt. And get hurt is the same thing in the entire city. You just get hurt. You roll against the toughness and then you are, you're injured. And it doesn't matter what made this injury. You are always just injured. It's not, there's no calculation of how much closer to death I am now or um, how many resources I might lack if I choose this over that. Just try it. Just roll for it, whatever it is. That's very action-oriented. If you watch any action-adventure cartoon, I think you might see Crystal Hearts in there and vice versa. Uh, I think also, well, my favorite mechanic of Savage World is exploding dice. So if you roll the highest result on any dice, you roll it again and add the results, which means that uh, even the most unlikely roll can yield an amazing result if you just get lucky. And I think that's very much in that anime spirit where regular people or people with some um, uh, low-profile powers can really want to do something and try it and succeed exponentially, just have incredible results. Um, and it's big and it's explosive and colorful, and I think that's a lot of what Crystal Heart uh, has in its heart and uh, Savage World in that kind of helps. I really like that it surprises you. It, uh, as the GM, as the player, it surprises you. The, the lowliest of goblins can kill you. If if they if they get a high enough result, they will kill you with one strike. It's possible. It's not very likely, but it's possible, which is completely impossible, like, for example, for D&D players starting level 3 or 4. And that's fine. That's fine. That's what D&D is about. This is about being super heroic. Savage World is about sudden surprises and defying the odds, if you defying will. the odds, running on the edge of the biplane while it goes <laughs> toward the <laughs> Nazi Germany and shooting with your laser gun, whatever. It's insane. It's all about insane. Mm. The over-the-top insanity. Yeah, I, I relate to it greatly. I still remember the first time that I played Savage World and I had to roll two D8s and I rolled a 32. <laughs> now, now, that's something you can't say in a lot of gaming systems. Yes. We played a lot of Savage Worlds, Uri, you and me, when we played the 12-hour marathons. Uh, indeed. And I also remember the first time we played Savage World together, it was part of our um, uh, Gecko thingy yeah i don't think it works in english but yes yeah it's it was an amazing project in which every week or two we would play in a different gaming system and every week or two weeks someone else would run a game in a different mechanic just to get the feel and get to know more and more mechanics speaking of more and more mechanics savage world is coming up with a new edition soon any thoughts of converge, conversion to that new edition? Oh, we, we are not converting. We are writing it for the new edition. Mm. It's called the Adventure Edition, and we are writing Crystal Heart for it. That is, you will need the core book of the new edition in order to play. You can play with the previous edition, because editions in Savage Worlds don't mean the same as they do in other systems. They are 
there are changes, but they are never so drastic that you can't play with the previous edition. And also, Pinnacle Entertainment will produce these um, conversion documents that will allow you to use the previous edition with the new rules, just change everything, etc. That being said, there's no reason not to play the new edition and buy the new books if you haven't played Savage Worlds ne- uh, never before. It's really good, the new edition. It it's it's re- I can't say why and how currently, but it's it works very well. Now, the both of you have started a Kickstarter campaign to fund the Crystal Heart campaign setting and also the first few comic books of up to four players. And the campaign itself was funded in under 24 hours, like many of the really, really good Kickstarters out there. Um, And if I'm checking now live, I can see that you're in 18,827 US dollars. I don't know that number. We use pounds over here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Queen's pounds. You you have already... uh, Achieved fourteen thousand and six hundred and eighty-six pounds. Thank you. Which is an amazing achievement, and that's ju- and you still have seventeen days to go. So, everyone, if you're listening to this podcast when it went live, the Kickstarter is live, and it will continue to be so until mid December. Correct. Eleven. Eleven of December. Yes. There is a link in the show notes, or simply type into Google kick- Kickstarter crystal heart now can you share with me and our listeners some of the reactions you got when the kickstarter went live i'm asking this because i have seen some of these reactions and they were amazingly eye-opening and perhaps a few sneak peeks to behind the scenes well i started gathering and collecting um people saying stuff on twitter because it's pretty good maybe we'll use them later because it's really, first of all, it's really nice to read them. <laughs> I'll, I'll read out some of those. And second of all, I think it really encourages a person that like comes up and see your Kickstarter page for the first time in their life. They never heard of you. They know nothing of you. Uh, and then they see this quote from someone that says, wow, this is really good for this and this reason. I, I find it really convincing myself because if some, I mean, Assuming I believe that this quote is real, of course, <laughs> that's that's the shtick. But if it is, then I find it really encouraging because uh, people think this is this this is good. This is work. I, I haven't invested time in it, but someone that has probably invested time in it thinks it, it's good and worth it. Um, maybe I should invest some time in it. That's how it works on me, anyway. So I want to read a few um, without names. I won't say the names. Uh, Just quotes from uh, Twitter that I've collected. This setting is truly unique and is a playground ripe for new adventures made by you. Uh, Go back this, an amazing setting for a fantastic game created by wonderful people. If if you read up to four players, you already know their cool RPG about wandering operatives with magical crystals instead of their hearts. You should go check their Kickstarter. If you do not, you should read up to four players, then (laughs) check out the Kickstarter. Yes. Something for the Savage World Gamer by cartoonist Ranaviram. That's that's uh, wrong. I'm not a cartoonist. Based on his tabletop gaming inspired <laughs> webcomic. It's not mine. Uh, up to four players. Well worth checking out this and the webcomic. I should note that later um, he, he fixed it and added a viv. So thank you. 
I love the strip, the art, the story, and soon I'm sure to love the game. Oh. That is amazing, because I think for many of us, especially in the role-play industry, where, you know, usually you do not get rich from role-playing product. Oh, no. Usually. So, usually. Also comics, by the way. Also comics, also illustration. Uh, we, we all pick terrible, terrible hobbies, and the only reason we're staying is because they're the best hobbies in the world. Yeah. But seeing these kind of comments, this kind of reaction, the, the light in people's eyes, which is not just light, but delight as they're playing a game you created is, is, why, is a big reason why we all do what we do, I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's actually the reason why we decided to start a webcomic instead of um, working on a graphic novel, for example. With a, with, with a graphic novel or even a monthly comic, not that two people with actual day jobs can do a monthly comic, but working on something where you sit and work um, on your own or with a partner for months and only then release it to the public is really, really difficult but releasing a page every week and we get that feedback and we get people sharing it with their friends and coming up with theories about what's going to happen and uh, being excited about their favorite characters and, oh my gosh, Lily is exactly like this person who I'm playing with and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That absolutely... I mean, it makes my day every time we upload a page and it makes it so much easier to invest what is a heck of a lot of time uh, in in creating each and every page. And it's the same for creating a game based on it. Obviously, it's going to take a little more time before we get that feedback. Yeah, but Although releasing... You, the Kickstarter provides a lot of it in, in, a, in a big push. We get everything yeah, right sure. now up front, yeah. And we did release a free starter set and we already got some really amazing comments and feedback about that, which is fantastic. Uh, and th- the whole thing about Crystal Heart and about Up to Four Players, the webcomic, was Iran and myself um, thinking about what we like in content, in stories, in comics, uh, in art, and just having fun with it. And kind of hoping that if we like this sort of thing, there will be others out there who also like it. So seeing that they exist and they really dig it is just, it's the best. It's really, really fun. Yeah, and also from the from the product manager point of view, uh, this really helps you to get that uh, product market fit, which everyone are constantly looking for, because you can release a page, see the reaction, yeah. adjust accordingly, get what you did right and what you did wrong. And and like you said, I remember just recently when I supported another Kickstarter that you were involved with, uh, uh, Good Society, the Jane yes. Austen uh, role-playing game, they released also a starter set and, uh, and a beta, beta version and got a humongous amount of feedback and then adjusted accordingly. Uh, it's it's amazing. It's amazing to be even as as you know as a supporter, you really feel that you're part of the process, and that you help other people make something even better than it was. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we've actually also released um, another free adventure um, two days ago. And pretty much like everything we do, everything we have created for Crystal Heart. Um, 
we want to get that out there. We want people to play it and have a feel for the world. And, um, you know, if there's feedback coming from that, then that's great. We'll incorporate it or we th- rethink things. Um, if maybe we need to change things. I mean, that's all in Iran's court. I don't know about that. But, oh, no, uh, I would love to get some feedback, of course, on that on and, and on the next few things that we are going to release. Um, because while they went through under the eyes of playtesters and that have also playtested them, um, there were, there, there was very little change that I needed to do. Now, I obviously am the best at designing adventures, but assume, <laughs> let's assume for a moment maybe I'm not, then I need more, more feedback and more playtests. And I would love to see more people saying more stuff about this adventure uh, and the next few adventures. First of all, because it will help us see, learn towards the, the bigger picture, the book, the setting book, and what people are expecting, and maybe what we don't get right about uh, the design aspect or the rules aspect or whatever. Um, and also what people are expecting because, hey, I wanted to have an opportunity to use this and this crystal in this and this adventure. Okay, um, that's that's not how we usually work, but maybe we should start thinking about that. If we'll get enough feedback saying, we, we were expecting this. I was hoping to get this. I played and it happened like this. So, sure, play it. We have a starter set with an adventure. We have now mixed heritage as an adventure. Um, we have a Discord where people can approach us if they are, for some reason, unwilling to do so through Twitter or Facebook, where we are very much available as well. Uh, you can also email us at comics at upforplayers.com. Of course, we would like to know that you played it because we want to know the things that we created are being used, like we've just discussed, but also because it will have an actual effect on the upcoming book. So if you invested in the um, Kickstarter, if you're already a backer, you have double the reasons to maybe play it or at least read it. Yeah. And in that way, it's it's different to uh, to the comics because... In the comic, I mean, we have a story going with the comic. We, we know what we're doing. So we welcome feedback, but it's probably not going to change what we already know we're going to do. But with a game, this is something that we're making for people. Uh, it should be playable for other people. So, um, we need that feedback from other people to make sure that it is that. It's not just our thing that we release to the world and it should stay perfect as it is. We release it so that other people can use it to make their own stories and have their own fun. Yeah. So feedback, super important. Yes. Awesome. Now we've asked the audience for a question to ask you to, and pretty much every question we got, I already wrote down beforehand. But I, we did get one from Jonathan Curtis on Facebook, who asked, what was the moment you first realized you had something not just interesting, but something awesome. The moment when it first clicked for your group. Uh, quite probably when we created this, the setting. It was a Saturday uh, at Ben Shalom's house in his backyard. <laughs> and Aviv and I and Gil and, and Rui. And when ben. was it? Uh, it was 15 years ago. And we sat down and I came with a basic idea and all of us added more ideas. And we I, I don't remember if we already played Exalted or, or, or only heard about Exalted. I don't remember if we already 
were watching Naruto or just thought about Naruto, but there was a lot of influences from a lot of different places. And we wanted, we really, really wanted to play Big Eye, Small Mouth. And we created this whole thing. And when we finished creating it, uh, it, it was clearly awesome. And we really wanted to play it. Uh, I should note, I don't play something that is not awesome. Hmm. I invest a lot of time before, I, when I finish playing something, I invest a lot of time before I start something new to make sure that what I'm going to play is awesome. It's not just good. I want the best adventure path. I, I rarely create something by myself. I almost always either create it with someone else or use a pre-made adventure. So I always need to choose the best way to create something, like using microscope or using some sort of techniques from, um, what's the name of the book from the guys from Gnome Stew? We'll give it in the links for the show notes. Odyssey, Odyssey, uh, Odyssey. Never Unprepared. Yes, they have so many good books. So I want to have the best method or to read Zeitgeist, for example, is the next D&D 5 campaign I want to run because it looks awesome. And I read reviews to make sure that it's awesome. I will <laughs> never, ever play something that's not awesome because why, why would I? So the reason we decided to go on with this is we figured this is awesome. <laughs> it should be played. Amazing. Uh, and the only reason to play something not awesome is if you want to learn from their mistakes and you have the time yes. to invest in something which is purely an educational experience. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Now, before we finish, I want to ask, do you want to share some of your thoughts and hopes for the future? I mean, where do you two see yourself as you level up to level 36 eventually i'm in this weird um schrodinger situation where i both really want to be working on the book and want to finish working on the book and have it uh finished and ready because it sounds like really cool work i've never illustrated a full role-playing game by myself so it's um somewhat daunting but also it sounds really fun because it's all the best design work from uh, from what we do in the webcomic, but with slightly less um, time constraints and um, more freedom and... And more variety of things more you, variety. you need to do. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So that sounds like loads of fun, but also I just want to be after it yeah. and know that I've done it and it's it's perfect. It's finished. It's It's out there and people are starting to read and play it. Um, and if looking slightly further into the future, um, like my big, I don't want to say Kickstarter because I don't know that I want to do another Kickstarter. It's a very stressful thing. Mm -hmm. But if we were to do one, uh, I really want to do a, a proper graphic novel release of up to four players, Crystal Heart, just the whole story. Or whatever we have of that story by the time we reach, I don't know, level 60 or something. Um, just release it as a nice, pretty, big, heavy comic book, graphic novel um, for people to read, enjoy, and, and that we can take to conventions and, and be really proud of. Well, I think you can be pretty damn proud of yourself right now. But moving <laughs> on, Iran. 
uh, I, I'm thinking about the next campaign. I'm thinking about the next role, the next storyline, the next whatever. And there's no reason to really think about it until we finish with this. Until all of Crystal Heart in all of its form is behind us. But there are things waiting out there next. There's a thing called Donag, which might happen one day. <laughs> There's a thing called uh, Six Dimensions, which might happen one day. Uh, they're weird. Uh, not, not, not weird, but hopefully unusual and never seen before things waiting, um, both in webcomic or in role-playing game or whatever. We'll see. We'll see what we want to do as a walking couple as uh, a creative duo when we're finished with this because like we've said a kickstarter is a big deal uh it's not something we're going to do anytime soon again maybe we'll decide that creating a role-playing game book is a big deal and we won't don't want to do it. no that's unlikely i i really want to do more <laughs> role-playing games so we'll have to wait and see yeah, occasionally I would, uh, we do conventions together, Iran and I, and sometimes I would just sit, stare, and then Iran comes with this, okay, so what's our next project should be? And all, like, at the moment, I'm just thinking about, I need to finish two pages by Monday, and we have a role-playing book to work on, and we need to f- fix the website, and we need to do this, and we need to do this, and Iran always, he's always looking on the big picture, uh, and and it sounds like there's always something really interesting in the future, uh, uh, but 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 there is still so much to do right now yes, it, it uh, stay, until we it get there. Stay in the future for now. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Very much agreed. Wow, amazing aspiration, and I wish you all the best for that. Iran, thank you for switching roles and going to our guest side. Aviv, thank you very much for coming to be our guest here on, on the Shoulders of Dwarves. And that has been our show. I mean, the, the whole interview section of On the Shoulders of Dwarves is still under development. So, listeners, if there's someone that you would like to hear an interview with, please tell us and we will try to bribe them with chocolate or free t-shirts or whatever needed to get them to come and talk on record about the wonderful world of role-playing. I should also note that if you want to catch us, go to dwarfcast.net or to up2fourplayers.com slash crystalheart to back the Crystal Heart Kickstarter. Also, you can send us an email to show at dwarfcast.net or comics at up 2 <laughs> because there's so many things going on here. You can find Uri, Aviv, and me on Twitter. All of the links are in the show notes or just on the internet because searching for us is pretty easy. That is it. And until the next time, we'll all say goodbye in our native tongue. So, on the Shoulders of Dwarves is shared under Creative Commons by Attribution Non-Commercial 4. Intro and outro are by the Cliché Dio. And you can email us at show at dwarfcast.net. On the Shoulders of Dwarves.